episode one of the new podcast, and uh, I'm uh, joined via Skype with my co-host, uh, John Joe Doherty, and we're going to uh, crack on with this. Uh, we're going to talk about athletics, everything to do with it, the mental side, different aspects um, over these uh, series of podcasts. Uh, we're going to start today with uh, talking about COVID-19, the lockdown, all the sort of training with that, uh, how that's been going. Well, first, obviously, you know, let's let's introduce ourselves properly since this is episode one. So, my friend uh, and training partner, John Joe Doherty, is um, represented both Merseyside um, and County Donegal um, you know, over cross country. Um, you know, on the trails, he's a, he's a man to be reckoned with um, up on the fells as well. Um, training with me as a training partner now for the last couple of years, really seeing him excel, looking forward to seeing him have that Irish vest on, um, you know, in the next couple of years or so, um, you know, as a senior and then definitely uh, as a vet, because um, he's, he's getting old now. Um, but um, yeah, so uh, I'm sure you'll get to know him a lot more as we uh, go on with these podcasts. Um, John Joe? Introducing my very good friend here, Matthew. He's a great, great chap. Um, 5,000 metre northern champion from my recollections I believe um, some great terrific victories um, notably I, I would say the St. Helens 10k even though it would be considered by many athletes as a nothing event it means everything locally and so I'd say that that's a big thing, you know, locally again. And uh, having won that three times on the bounce and having the the course record, I think when I think of Matthew, I often think about that particular event. And as, a, as a, I must repeat that this would really be considered perhaps a, a backwater event and meaningless, and many wouldn't even have heard of that particular race. But locally, it's it's important, I think, for... for wherever you're from locally um, that success can really give you that inspiration to, to continue it and to drive forward thank you very much pal and um, you know let's let's jump straight into it so obviously you know we're talking from march now we've been in in lockdown um, here in the uk uh, obviously around the world uh, different different points of lockdown um, you know it's been relaxed slightly uh, these last couple of weeks and we can now train in groups of six and things like that. Um, but how have you know? How have you dealt with that from a, a training perspective? From from back in March, you know, uh, through to now, what what have you been doing on your training side? I've been very fortunate, Matthew. I've been training in secret with a huge group of young gen. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, the COVID thing. Yeah. Well, you know something. I think I've, I've been quite fortunate, really. Uh, not always in my life, don't get me wrong, but regarding COVID, I've learned to adapt to the situation. I find myself now a more competent um, individual. So when having to train on my own, I feel like I'm making more progress. And that's with the new coaching, the new regimen that I'm getting there at the Liverpool Harriers. Oh, yeah, because you, you just moved uh, to Liverpool and you just left me. Uh, Sutton uh, yeah. to go to Liverpool just before, hadn't you, sort of thing? So yeah, listen, I had a great time at Sutton. Don't get me wrong, and I I met, made some great friends and enemies, <laughs> um, but no, some great friends, and I I only think about that place in in great light, as I did did when I first started, which was very late for me, um, when I started this running malarkey um, more seriously and really getting stuck in. Um, only of late with yourself the last couple of years, but with the St. Helens Striders, and then that was yeah four or five years with them, and then just a year with Sutton, and now again pushing on. I think um, I believe it was a good move for me. Some people will disagree, but I believe that was a good move for me personally at the time when I when I made that decision. Well, I mean you've got a you know I mean Liverpool are known for having a, a great training squad and things like that, and obviously. Um, your, your coach there, uh, Tony, is, is obviously has uh, some great athletes over the years, um, and some great athletes at the moment as well. So I, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's it's gonna see you uh, improve and stuff like that. And you obviously we were running well uh, before going there, so you know to build on that further, uh, it's gonna be interesting. And um, 
you know, I mean, you, st- you still won't beat me, but, uh, you, oh, you know, you, uh, <laughs> you know um, I'm sure, uh, you know, you'll be able to beat those uh, those other guys that are uh, that I'm, that I'm, I'm, before and stuff like that, so. Yeah, I think you got to, whatever, you, whatever goal you set yourself, you know, you really got to believe that you can achieve that. And if you don't, well, I believe that I, I will, I can, I will, I will beat you. I have beaten you. What are you talking about? That's true. That's true. On the trails, on the trails. On the Harrock yeah. Hill series. Yeah. But you know, you got to, be- you got to visualize. You got to believe. And if if there's any doubt, and it's it's more, you know, in the mind, if it's more doubt than belief, then you you've really got. Uh, you need a lot of luck then if it's going to happen. And um, yeah, I just want to thank um, Ray Vos at Sutton because I made some real good progress with with that guy. And, and running alongside yourself, and that continues. And the new, new, new coach Tony Clark. Um, it's not you get new ideas. You know, everybody's got different ideas, and it's not about who's right and wrong. I think that's the wrong interpretation. Um, I think like I always think of boxing, you know, because I've seen seem to have come across many boxers in the family and whatnot, and they move camps, and it doesn't mean that that coach is any less. It's sort of new ideas, and and maybe hammering home some of those ideas, just reinforcing that, that because you've said yourself, you, you tell me lots of things and I don't listen to you. <laughs> and then I go away and someone else tells me, I, I don't believe that, by the way. tries to teach me it as well, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's great to be uh, on the Skype with you, sir, and, and chatting about these things. Yeah. So, but I mean... Obviously, you know you, you've got that new coach, and obviously learning uh, from Tony and things like that. But obviously, how have you how have you dealt with that? Um, you know, in in this lockdown, because obviously well, yeah. you, you can't be face to face with him, and and you've not got that training group that you moved to to, to train with. So you know, it's all been a yeah. You know, I mean, obviously at the moment you can now get back to sort of six people and things like that together. But but yeah. obviously leading up to the last couple of weeks where you were just on your own, like how did you? I suppose some of the, the psychological aspects of that as well, uh, the motivation to get out and train with the, you know no races, no one to train with, and, and things like that. Yeah, for me in my mind, I, I'm just thinking I'm still nowhere near. I've always you know you're never going to be happy. I suppose you're always going to be, believe that you can be some you know people. Are, it's no no one ever said oh, I'm fast. I'm where I want to be. You know, it's always there's another step, isn't there? And and during this COVID period. Um, I've just thought this is an opportunity. Really, when when it when when the races do do come in, I'm going to be as fit as I've ever been. I feel that right now, and it's not the disappointment that I'm I'm really fit as I've ever been. I'm going to run faster right now, and I can't. It's the opportunity to build, get stronger, and 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 when that time comes, whenever it does come, you know, I'm going to be ready, and um, yeah, so. Uh, but thanks to Tony. Tony has been sending me sessions, three sessions a week. Um, also, these kind of voice messages, which I think are invaluable um, because it's that personable sort of man-to-man uh, motivation that's giving me that during this period that to get out there. And I, I just look at this on a daily basis. You know, I don't think too far ahead. And I just say, right, this is what I need to do today. Let's get this boxed off. Let's get it done. And um, some days you think about it too long and you, maybe you should do it early, but then you want the body to be ready as well. And um, but that's another another discussion. What about you? What, 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 how have you felt during this period? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I, I was I was training towards uh, the London Marathon, obviously before everything came in, and and that was cancelled, and we went into lockdown, and so I was suppose uh, at the start I was I was a bit frustrated and a bit angry with it all, really, um, because I was in in pretty much the best shape of my life, um, you know, I I as we went into lockdown, I came down um, with the virus. I'm I'm, I'm guessing. Um, you know, with very much flu-like symptoms and things like that. Um, I just think too much of a coincidence for it not to have been uh, uh, the, the coronavirus. But, uh, you know, I, I recovered from that after a, a week and a half or so and then was able to get back to training. But it, I found it difficult uh, to motivate myself to train a little bit just due to the fact that I knew I was in such good shape. I then knew there was no races. My goal there of trying to run the London Marathon wasn't there. And I had to sort of... I suppose reflect on, you know, and, and, and reset uh, myself a little bit with 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 goals. Uh, what could I do? Um, 
I knew the fitness was there, so I, I did. I went out and did a uh, did a marathon. Um, you know, went and waved at all my, my family members uh, through the, the windows and stuff at theirs on, on the route. Um, and, and you know that I did uh, a two thirty three, um, which is just just faster than my my mum's uh, best um, when she qualified for the Olympics. So that was a, a little bit of a goal within itself in in that. Um, but it also you know I kept myself controlled. I didn't want to put myself you know all flat out while I was doing that. Um, so it was nice to sort of do that, achieve that. I know there was a lot more in me, um, because it did show that you know that training I've been doing for the marathon. It was going to be my first marathon. Um, so it was all a little bit of, you know, was it working, was it not? It was nice to sort of see that, you know, it probably was working and uh, if I hadn't have been ill and, and, and the marathon had gone on in London, uh, you know, maybe I could have done what I wanted to do with my goal at, at that sort of under 220 sort of uh, bracket. Um, you know, and then, and then obviously, you know, then it was, okay, well, I've done that, what are the goals? So, um, you know, I know I've spoken to you when we've been able to get out for a run this, this last week that, you know, this week now I, I'm going to, I wanted to sort of do while we're in lockdown, um, a hundred and forty mile uh, week training week. Uh, that was my, my dad's highest ever training week. So I sort of set that as a bit of a goal for lockdown because without races or anything, it wasn't really going to cost me to do that mileage. Um, you know, I could recover the week after and things like that. Um, so I, you know, that, that's 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 been a bit of my goal through this lockdown. And now that obviously the week after, I'm, I'm probably going to be going back to work. Hopefully. Um, you know, uh, I've set myself that goal of doing that this week and, and seeing we can do that. And I, I think that's been the important part is, is having those those goals and being able to set them. And, you know, we, obviously normally we'd have that as a race and it was you know to run a certain time and things like that. But that we, we don't know when races are going to be coming back. And, you know, I, I don't think we can see them really coming back, at least road races um, this year. Um, I think maybe different on some of the other disciplines, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit in in a minute. Um, but yeah, you know, I think um, you know it's 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 been difficult, and you know, I love to run with other people. Um, you know, I I'm quite a lazy runner at times, where you know if the weather's bad and things like I, I'm quite easily, um, you know, will just go ah oh, well, I'm not going to go out today, and I'll, I'll just leave it. Um, but obviously, you know, when when we've organised runs or organized runs with others or the, you know when the club was were, were, were on and stuff like that and you could you had that plan of that's where you were going at that time and stuff like that. it gave you that motivation to get out and I suppose you know I've struggled a little bit with that during lockdown and um, it's got better these last couple of weeks with obviously freeing it up a little bit we can meet others and, and run and um, and things like that so yeah it's uh, 140 mar- miles a week what's all that about <laughs> well you know I, I, it's 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 like I say it's a goal isn't it and then you know in over the long run it's going to make me stronger having those miles in as long as obviously while doing it I listen to my body and uh, and back off and, and call it quits if, uh, if if I start to feel a bit achy and painy and stuff like that but as long as I keep them nice and easy I think you know having done that it's it's a, it's a mental thing and uh, I think it'll make me stronger mentally um, physically, you know, it's it's a nice set of miles in the legs as well. So you know, I, I really think there's a benefit to it. Um, but you know, it's it's been that goal with lockdown, with having it. That was my dad's highest mileage week. That I think it's you know, it's nice to hit that goal and achieve that if I if I can this week. So right, you, we'll see. Are you going to do 141 then? Yeah, Yeah, probably. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I mean, you know, you. you no one really trains like that anymore either, you know. But that was a big staple of, of, of the guys back in in the in the seventies and eighties and stuff like that. Is that um, true that people don't, you know, even what the elite athletes? Yeah, even even go those guys far. don't really go really? that far. Yeah. You know, you'll have the, the odd ones and stuff like that. Uh, I think Mo Farah uh, used to hit sort of the one twenty mark and things. Was that, like that in some of his? Was that sort of, you know? On average, or was yeah, that, that I, think, I think that was across. You know, that was his sort of. It was his max, but it's sort of what he'd sort of try and sustain through the winters and stuff like that. And I'm sure that's quite high. Um, isn't it? It, it is, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially to sustain it for for long periods of time. Um, and I, you know, I think probably Kipchoge probably does similar stuff, and and there will be others that that do that. But you know, you you go back uh, to the seventies and eighties, and you have the likes of of Bedford and Moorcroft and stuff like that where. They do, you know, upwards of two hundred miles a week and things like that, you know. And when you think mm. one forty is twenty miles a day, mm. um, you know, two hundred, you know, you you you're really hammering the miles. And these guys were were track runners, um, they weren't ultra runners or anything like that. These were these were track track guys and, and world record holders on the track and things like that at the discipline. So, 
um, you know, not even marathon runners. Um, so, y- you know, you sort of, you think, well, it worked for them. They were world record holders at the time. I wonder, you know, is that, you know, um, could we replicate that today and see success at that? And, um, but you, you don't, you don't see people do that sort of stuff. Even, you know, you're talking, you go back to some of the milers used to do that sort of stuff as well. Um, you know, the likes of, uh, Steve Ovette, uh, stuff like that, you know, 800 and 1500 meter runner and, and mile, um, you know, used to ha- hammer out hundred mile weeks and stuff like that. So it does make you wonder sometimes why you don't see some of that uh, today, mm. um, especially in British, uh, you know, or, you know, uh, Western athletics uh, side of things. I think in you do get that over in Africa and things like that the, the you know uh, the Kenyans and Ethiopians and stuff who are you know the pinnacle of success these days in in the distance scene. You know, we're still hammering out that sort of mileage, but uh, you don't see it as much over on the the Western sort of world sort of side of things. And is this the reason why they're having so much success? Well, yeah, I think there's there's numerous reasons in there, and I think that could be mm. possibly considered as, as part of that reason. You know, there is that sort of uh, harder work ethic, maybe. Um, yeah. But obviously, you've got the things of living at altitude and all that sort of things to consider. And what gi- know, what gives a person harder work ethic? Uh, well, I think that's a mental attitude, isn't it? I think that's a, you know, like, like I say about myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes a bit of a lazy runner, you know, and, and I won't get out and stuff. Um, so, you know, I think sometimes, you know, you've got um, some of the, you know, the, the, the culture of, of, of these East Africans, um, you know, is, is sort of that the, there is a, a way of changing your life, to be fair, you know, the, the, the money available in, in athletics and in running uh, allows you to change your life and your family's lives. Um, you know, you read about it um, in, in books like Running with Kenyan, uh, Running with the Kenyans and stuff like that. Mm. Um, you know, they, they've won these large city marathons um, and then, you know, go back and buy farms for the families and things like that. Um, whereas in the UK, you know, there's, there's so much distraction, I suppose, and, and the money that you can win from athletics doesn't maybe add up to as much spend. I think that makes sense. You know, there's that sort yeah. of that, that gives you an extra, I suppose, incentive to drive to to change your life and change your family's lives, whereas it doesn't on the on the on the on the, the UK side. I think of the Africans, the surfaces that they're running on are much more give. Well, yeah, you know, the softer dirt paths and trail paths and stuff like that. You know, that I suppose it lasts. It lets you allows you to run for longer in a way because you've not got that impact through the uh, through the, the legs and through the joints and everything like that um, that you do if you're always sort of on the tarmac and on the road and things so you know there's like I say I suppose there's, there's, a, there's a huge array of things and, and maybe it's a, a topic for another time we could do a whole podcast on well, the, I mean, I, on, on this sort of discussion I suppose and, yeah I was discussing that with Richard Burney there from the Liverpool areas and he surprised me slightly when he, he informed me he'd always ran most of his miles on the grass um, and he'd seen athletes around him fall by the wayside. Well, that's I'm using that term, yeah. but, you know, the injuries and whatnot. And um, he felt that it was too much, you know, on, the, on those hard surfaces. And that was the reason. And at 44... Um, he's still going strong and um, I, I often thought about running more on grass and I, I always did tend to I say always did you know I'm still relatively new to this sport but um, get, getting out there on the grass and um, that give that it's like having another pair of trainers on maybe it gives so much more and it doesn't make it any easier it's, in fact it's more difficult to plough through the, the land than on the, on the tarmac I don't know. I don't understand the reason why people don't um, use that surface more. It, it makes perfect sense. I think that the difficulty is it's hard to judge if you're on Shirley Park, which is um, Saint Helens. It, it was, I believe, uh, a national cross country course. Yeah, cross country championship course. Yeah, it yeah. was. It, it no longer um, has the facility for that, sadly, because of perhaps council decisions to um, offload parts of the park um, with a very sort of um, short-sightedness I'd say 
Yeah, but, well, uh, well, yeah, it's got the, the football pitches on it and stuff yeah. like that now, isn't it? Which, which yeah. cut up the big backfield, which used to be uh, sort of key and things like that for the, the cross country courses and stuff. So yeah, yeah, Sidek, and I, and they did have their own pitches, which were sadly um, they were also built on. So there was no foresight there, and and perhaps those individual those political figures had no idea of the history of of Shirley Park and. I heard people mention one of the one of the best cross country courses, perhaps in the country at one point. Maybe it was up there. I don't know on a list where you put it. Um, but I don't know why people don't in the local area, uh, especially if you're trying to lose weight as well. You know, a lot of people come into running for not not at the high end to be so competitive, but just to lose a bit of weight, and they may have already have problems with joints and whatnot. And you see them pounding the pavements, and and I just think. Why not get on, Why not put that on the grass? You've got, you know, you're still you'll pro- work harder. You'll have that extra support. Um, but I don't know. I think it's just sort of a sheep mentality. We see everyone else doing a particular thing, and we just do it, and we don't even think about it. And this is where I think this is another really interesting thought that I had recently in athletics. And I, I must stress, I know very little about it. But I have an open mind where I want to learn more and more, and I always like to think that I don't know much about something. So I'm, I've got that attitude to, to take on board more information. As soon as I, I believe that I know it all, then I'm sort of rigid, and I'm not gonna t- not gonna engage with people on on discussions about new ideas and, and everything. But um, coming into this sport, um, God, I've forgotten what I'm gonna say. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what we're we talking about the surfaces, the surfaces, the surfaces, the surfaces. Um, the surfaces. Oh, th- that's the point. Sorry, the point I was trying to make was, as an athlete, why do you do what you do? You see, when I joined the Saint Helens Striders, I came into it. Actually, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Saint Helens Ten K. It's been going for how many years? Ten, it's ten years. This ten, year, years. Yeah, ten years. Well, I recall when that race first started, and and my goal was. So you're going back ten years. I'm thirty four. So twenty four. I was. So I'm well past it in, at 24, really, in regards to do anything, you know, so most people would say. There's always opportunities, though, no matter what age you are, um, to give yourself goals and to get out there. But at 24, so I do recall that event, maybe starting off, maybe it was a year in, uh, I'm not sure, but around that period, maybe it, it, you know, it was a couple of years, maybe eight years ago, I thought, that's the race I want to win. Because that's the only race I know of, really. You know, yeah, it's a local yeah. event. That that's actually how I, I thought. And I and I went out on a Sunday and I ran down the Rainford Bypass on my own and I came back again. You know, and I did the odd little run and I thought I can win this race. You know, and uh, if you look at the record books, the first time I did it, which would be interesting, I think I was twenty ninth and I was a hopeless time. I think it was thirty nine minutes something or maybe even worse. I say it's hopeless time because I've improved so much. It's not not hopeless, no, but. Um, the latest was thirty two forty seven, so, um, so big improvements. But I didn't know. I wasn't thinking about. So I joined the Saint Striders, but I still wasn't thinking like, what? Why are we doing this? What? What reason are we doing this session? To do what? To 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 enable me to tackle what distance? I never thought like that, you know, and I still maybe don't. I'm starting to think like. I'm starting to think like that now, um, and um, and then uh, reading the books um, that you've lent me actually about the likes of Lydiard and all these particular um, Delaney and, and I, I was very lucky to meet to to meet Patsy McGonagall, former Irish Olympic team captain, and, and he, he really looked after me over there. Great chap, uh, and and talking and liaising to people with so much more. Experience at the, at the highest level, and reading through those books, and I realised something that if you give an athlete the reasons as to why he does something, he's he or she is far more likely to get out there and do it. Just do it, as they say. But it's it's so important, so important. And um, if you just say, and I think most people doesn't even really good athletes as well. I think you if you skim the surface, you realise. That they're just following a plan, you know, that's been given to them by maybe a coach, and they do it, 
or they don't but there's no re they don't know why they're doing it they, they've you know and and maybe the coach doesn't know either potentially so within that there's far more scope for just saying oh, i can't be bothered you know i'm not going to do it tonight um does that make sense what i'm trying to say there yeah i think so yeah i mean like i suppose um there's, there's, there's that side of it where you, you, you want that understanding of it, and I think, I think, I think as you, as you get older as an athlete as well, I think that's more important. Um, I think it's important when you, you're a young athlete as well, but I think as, as you're older enough, you need to be able to, I suppose, learn why you're doing it so that you can, um, you can sort of take more control of your own training. Um, I think your coach, um, you know, is the becomes the more as a as a guide. Um, than sort of someone who, who barks orders at you, um, which maybe is the case when you're a young athlete on the you know on the track or the road or the country, um, you just you're just following a, a plan, being told uh, what to do. But as, as as an adult and and as you as you get older as a runner, you want to take more control maybe as uh, your training, um, how you're doing things and um, and maybe because you can see clearer what it is you want to achieve and things like that. Whereas as as a younger athlete you you don't know, you know, and, and, and maybe it's not just as a, a younger athlete in terms of an age thing, but maybe it's as a younger athlete in terms of, um, you know, your own uh, introduction into the sport of athletics. So for yourself, you know, you, you sort of, you're still very much learning, um, you know, how to do things and, and why you're doing things and stuff like that. Um, and taking that sort of, more hands-on approach of coaching and things like that and finding that more, you know, that useful sort of thing. Um, whereas, I suppose, for, for, for me, I'm, I'm very much, um, you know, a, a, you know, a lot of years uh, behind me now, to be fair, in, in running and a lot of stuff that I've picked up on and things and uh, a lot of things I know work for me and a lot of things I know don't work for me. Um, you know, I agree 100% with the surfaces thing, getting on the, the softer ground um, is... is is better for you, I think. You know, I believe. Um, you know, and 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 obviously working in the in the in the running shoe industry and things like that, you see it in the running shoes. Um, you see it in the racing shoes. For ex- is the greatest example. Um, you know, the idea of, of of having that cushion, which the ground gives you on a softer, you know, a softer ground gives you that softer cushion. Um, slows the forces going through and back up. You know, through the legs and things like that on your own impact and you know your racing shoes used to be you know minimal cushion really stripped back sort of shoes and then we have stuff like um like the four percents and things that that obviously nike did for kipchoge um, and then obviously all the other brands have brought out their versions of them and and this is definitely a conversation for another time uh, in more detail the whole carbon plated shoes and stuff like that but the big change with them was they went from very minimal cushioning to huge huge amounts of cushioning in a racing shoe, which was unprecedented. Um, but what that does, and what and you know, when you watch the videos on Kipchoge sort of discussing it with the Nike designers and stuff like that, is he wanted to reduce the um, the forces. Uh, well, not reduce the force because you can't reduce a force, but he wanted to reduce the dispersion of that force into his body. Um, you know the, that the force as it impacts in causes vibrations within the muscles. Um, which you know as you run 26 miles for a marathon 26.2 miles for a marathon you know the, those vibrations in in a firmer sort of feeling shoe use up more energy as the body tries to control itself whereas a shoe that has more cushioning you know reduce it helps to reduce that slows it down and therefore um, allows more efficiency within the body as, as you run and that was his sort of detail and that was you know in those videos if you watch them he, he discusses that that's what he wants that's what he's always asking the designers and stuff to sort of come up with he wants more more cushion um to absorb it but obviously you know with that more cushion becomes um you know that less drive off as well and that's where then they had to they added that carbon fiber plate into the shoes and that whole carbon fiber racing shoe uh, sort of war became a thing in in, in the shoe industry and um, because that added that firmer that firmness to it that then allowed you to have that sort of spring off um, that you naturally got in a firmer shoe previously. Um, yeah, interesting. But yeah, definitely. A, I think a topic we can we can discuss in, in, in more detail in the future. Um, 
in that regard. But the, you know that relates to that sort of that softness in the ground. You know, you, you take out the impact by well, going I mean, to those trails. I've or, or maybe I, you know, again, I'll perhaps change my mind in the future. But for me, I mean, this kind of footwear is expensive, you know. And um, if I'm running on grass, then I could pr- perhaps get away with a shoe that's even had its day. I don't know if you'd agree with that. You know, if you're on the grass, yeah, no, I, I you could I, actually get away. You know, so it's a really expensive, really big expense. You know, for quality shit, and you you need quality. I think where I'm guilty of, I'm I'm on the roads there at times. I don't really know when these shoes have 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 had their time. I'm not sure how to look at a shoe and say, oh god, that you know. And it's hard for me to to feel it. I think you've got to feel it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You but do, yeah. I tell you where I do feel it though is when I realise I've got this this plantar fasciitis thing, which is very slight, and it, it comes it's come on me a few times because um, I've been running 60, 70 miles a week, which is a huge increase for me, but I dropped it down during this period where as you've gone up to 140. <laughs> well, not yet, um, not yet, we'll see. <laughs> but, um, which is, that's real good sense. Uh, <laughs> during when there's no races. <laughs> I bet that's what the listener's thinking. Uh, probably, maybe, uh, maybe. Uh, no, I understand. There's probably no one listening at the moment anyway. <laughs> nobody listening. Probably, that's probably a good thing. But um, 140... Yeah, I mean, for me, it's crazy. I mean, there's no races. What? But I can see a slight reason as to why you would do it because you're saying just to see if I can do it, you know. And if you can't do it and you, you succumb to injury, well, it's okay because there's no races on, is it? But then again, I think, well, what what is this something I'm going to be doing on a weekly basis? I don't think you're going to be doing it on a weekly basis. No, I don't uh, It's more of a little challenge. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that. But... um. Um, the shoes, I don't know when to change them, you know, there's no indicator on them. Could someone put some kind of, you know, like one of those um, litmus tester things, you know, on the shoe and it says, right, you, you need to get rid now. Like they have on those batteries, where you used to put your finger on either side of the battery and it'd, uh, it'd glow uh, green when it was fully charged. And it'd oh down. yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. them on the, uh, yeah, the yeah. energised batteries and all that. Yeah, so <laughs> just put it on the shoe. You have to put a hold. Well, what you could hold your thumb on the the, the, the you, toe and on the heel, and it tells you it's. Uh, with all this technology, oh, which <laughs> you know, you see, you're the opposite to me. People won't realise this, but unless they maybe know us very well, and Matthew loves his technology, his Strava and all this. You know, I'm not even on Strava, you know, um, but um, with the technology, you you know how many miles that particular shoe has done. Perhaps if you're logging the details on Strava, yeah. I don't know, but then you change your shoe, you know, regular, you, how would you know which shoe's done how much, unless each time you write something down, do you, on the Strava, do you yeah, say, are you, you, I, you can change the shoes, uh, and, and you, you write down, and then you know, yeah, well, oh, well, well I, see, I, I have I, no I, idea, this is the problem for me, yeah. I don't really know how many miles, because uh, I've not been a lot logging, yeah, it, it yeah, would yeah. take a bit of time, yeah, I could oh, do really that, right. you know, but I don't write much stuff down, and that's, that's where I'm going to change, I'm going to start journaling, um, my sessions, um, Matthew very kindly gave me a present uh, a couple of years ago. I gave it him back. Um, Return Christmas present. Uh, which yeah. I quite often do, you know. <laughs> no, no respect for gifts. Um, now he wants it back again? I now want it back again. <laughs> and it's a book that, that basically, um, how would you describe it, Matthew? It's, it, a, it's a training diary, isn't it? Yeah. But it's, it's sort of already... Uh, you know, instead of just having like a, a notepad, it's it's already broken down into sort of the, the sort of things you want to write in there. You know how you felt on the run, and you know the mileage, just a place for you to put the mileage and all that sort of thing, the time. And well, I'm gonna I'm gonna, gonna make good use of that. I'm gonna make good use of that. Um, and I'm gonna log down. You know, these trainers. You know, people say you you can get, and I don't trust anybody anymore. You know, I've never really trusted people. Um, <laughs> definitely not in this lockdown you can't can you you can't trust anybody you know um, <laughs> um, but you know they tell us certain things you know like the doctors were saying you know you can have three or four eggs a week any more than that and you're, you're a, you know um, I generally have three eggs in one sitting um, <laughs> I'm not listening to the doctors on that one um, and then they change you know they say oh actually you know eggs are really good and, and, and this you need this you need and of, of course you go back to smoking smoking uh, reduces stress and, and, and whatnot and behind all that is always sort of money business so with the trainers I always think well they're going to tell me this shoe can do less because they want me to go out and buy another shoe. So I'm not going to really trust what they're telling me. But then they want me to, you know, they want to sell me the shoe. It does 500 miles. Oh, but this shoe does 700 miles. Okay, oh, I'll buy that shoe. 
But how do I know that this shoe does 700 miles and this one only does 500? Um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm lacking real faith in, in, yeah. the, in the shoe industry. Yeah. Um, with the Hokers, um, which are interesting because I've been using them for quite a while. I think they're really good, but but then they start to change the design. They strip back on the materials. I always think if they're doing that, it's to say make more profit. Um, not necessarily, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm one of these, a customer who is always going to ask questions and I'm always going to think I'm being robbed for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I think that, I mean, the way the way I always do it at the, at the, at the store and things like that, um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just name drop Made to Run there. Um, Great the, store. Yeah, really is. I, that's where I go. where he feels like he's being robbed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know, when, when I'm there at the store... Um, you know, we, we, you know, you always say, you know, the lifespan of a shoe, and, and it's it's any shoe really is, is you would say an average is five hundred miles, and now. But what that, about what about the weight of the person? All these, and that's why it's an average know? because yeah, it, it, it differs. Okay. Um, you know, a heavier runner is going to wear the shoe quicker. And then um, the surface, the surface, and the, sur- the surface yeah. you're running on is going to affect yeah. it because that you know you're running through. Uh, you know, lots of rocks and stuff like that. You can tear the upper and things like that. But the, the, the main bit that wears um, and the bit that's going to cause you niggles and injuries in a, in a running shoe when it starts to, you know, get sort of towards its end of its life is, is the cushioning, which is the bit you can't see. Um, you know, you can mm. see the upper. You can see if it's, you know, you've got a hole where oh. your toe, your big toe is or something like that. You can see that. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's rubbing around the Achilles, you know that. But the cushioning that you're running on um, is the bit that's going to wear you can't first, you can't see it what about that you, can't, you, you can't know really when you when you look at the heel sometimes on a very older shoe it's worn down on one well, slightly you know you can see you can see that, that's, that's the only the word, but that, that's, that's the only part of it well that sometimes that that can just be an aesthetic wear mm. um because it could just be it's a softer foam and it's wearing quicker mm. so you know the, the bit you can you, you can't really see is like the actual cushioning that you're on is being squished as you run and, so, being, and squashed down and so that's where that 500 mile figure is, is mm. talking about that it's talking about how much that's being crushed and, and squashed and obviously if you're a bigger runner then you're going to squash that quicker if yeah. you're if you're running lots of speed work in a shoe which is why racing shoes work quicker um because again it's faster you're moving at a faster pace you're crushing that 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 cushioning down quicker um can you so do you feel you know i i i don't particularly feel it i start getting worries and i think that oh, this shoe's finished you know come on put the put this shoe away um but I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. What about you? Do you, you know without without looking at the mileage that yeah, you've done? Yeah, would yeah. you Would you know? Would you be? Yeah, like, I, I tend to. I, mm. I tend to sort of. It feels instinctively. For, for me, yeah, I think like because I, I mean to be fair, I do a lot of my running on the road, mm. um, and I think on the road that's where you start to feel it. I think if you like you say if you're going on the grass and things that you know that gives a little that can help prolong the life of a shoe a little bit because it's softer and it helps slow that that force through. But obviously, if you're on the road a lot. You, 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 when that cushioning is starting to flatten out a little bit, you, you, can, you feel the ground a little bit more, you feel it through, and, and obviously that you feel the impact more, and then that puts a little bit more pressure on the joints. And you know, I probably start to notice just little niggles here and there start coming on you know, around the knees and the hips and things, and, yeah. and that makes that gives me an indication. You know, actually, that shoe's probably well, I, I, its time, yeah. you know. I took out this, this uh, black pair. Uh, um, because I've got the hokers, and th- this wasn't a hoker. This was something else, and um, I forget, you know, because I'm not really into the into the, to, to, to en- brands of anything really, you know. Just if it works, you know. And um, I came back the other day last week, and I thought, no, God, I, my feet are really sore, you know. Um, and um, I was pretty sure that these these shoes were, but I hadn't worn them for so long. I thought, well, how, how long did I wear those for? You know, I wasn't sure, and I couldn't indicate from looking at them, so. I suppose that's a, sh- a shoe I should forget about, or if I'm ever going to wear them again, you on grass perhaps. Um, but anyway, enough about shoes, eh? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God, we can yeah. talk about shoes. <laughs> I'll be having nightmares tonight. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as, you know, something I want, obviously we mentioned earlier on was that lack of races, and obviously we're both in in good shape at the moment. Um, in our running, we've both been training through, and obviously there's a lot of people out there as well that. Are well, there's a lot, of people, shape, a, lot, so. a lot of people. A lot of people. Proclaiming to be in good shape. Well, Appar- apparently, you know, I, I'm not on, you know, virtual racing and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm not interested, to be honest. Um, um, I understand it can help people, but um, there's a lot of people, you know, the, the people may, potentially I've heard, I don't know why anyone would get on a bicycle and pretend to be running. You know, I don't understand that. 
Uh, I can't imagine that's happening very often either, to be honest. But uh, a lot of people complaining about, I'm doing this and doing that. How did he get go a second faster than me? He's never done so in real life. You know, he's always been two minutes behind me, you know. Uh, and uh, I don't want to, I can't be bothered with all that, you know. I'm just waiting for the real thing because you can't be the real thing, you know. No. Um, that's a U2 song, isn't it? Yeah, the real real thing. So anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in, in the virtual side of things really I don't even think it would benefit me really I just think I get stuck I've got better things to do that sounds snobbish you know, but, <laughs> but um, I'm waiting for the real thing I'm, and I'm you know God God you know hope I'm, I don't wait for the real thing and then get injured for the first time ever <laughs> <laughs> obviously don't train hard enough if I'm getting injured for the first time ever but um, yeah yeah, I mean, like, I mean, obviously, you know, I, well, you, you know, I've joined in on this virtual racing thing. I mean, there's, there's different, different virtual races out there. Isn't it's, there? A, it's a, it's a mal- malarkey, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you've got those virtual races which is sort of replacing the big mass, um, you know, race scene with you know medals being sent out and stuff, and yeah, then, yeah, and yeah. then you've got, you know, there's been sort of for the elite racing side, there's been these sort of. Um, obviously the British Milers Club um, have set up a lot of virtual time trials uh, that they've been doing the, these challenges remind me like remind me how do you become a British Miler remind so, me, so, remind so, me. To, to, so to join the British Milers you've got I'm Irish run. by the way so I've no interest yeah. <laughs> well, go on tell me anyway. um, you've got the Irish uh, they, Irish they've Miles. got their own one uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, but you you have to hit a certain standard what would the um, standard be let's say for 5k uh, for 5k it is uh, off the top of my put, head, put you on the spot, it's fourteen fifty, it's fourteen fifty five or something like that. So you got to go under fifteen minutes, about under that, yeah, minutes, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a really good time. It's got to be and on the track. It's got to be on the track as well. It's got to be on the track. Count on the road. And you say that's harder. I don't understand how that could be harder. Is it because it's well, the mono- monotonous? Easier, the track's oh, easier I thought to yeah, so you, you get yeah. faster on the yeah. track. Um, but obviously, people think well, it's harder. Because no, you said that to me in regards to the mile race. Is that correct? You said the indoor mile would be more difficult. No, I think the indoor run, indoor that? running is is, is harder. Oh, they sorry, tend to be sorry, slower sorry. Uh, indoor yeah. than they do outdoor track. Uh, yeah. When you look at the times, the world records are faster on the outdoor track than the indoor. And that's because of the uh, atmosphere. You, the you, atmosphere it's a bit right. stuffier, okay. and and the banks as well. The bank tracks make it a little harder. It's it's a tighter bend and things like that. Um, mm. But it's great fun indoor running though. I I really enjoy it, and I think uh, you know if you you carry on with the the training you do with Tony, I, I recommend having a bit of indoor uh, season. Sports City do a couple of races. So if I go under fifteen minutes in five k, but it's got to be on a track and it's finding a five k. Are there many available five k races you know, yeah, on the track? Five, yeah, it's got to be on the track. You've got, I mean, you've got them in the northern leagues that we uh, we do, you know. Oh, um, yeah. But obviously, you know, maybe the standard is not not high enough to push to it uh, sometimes if in you, the leagues. Yeah. I mean, you're you're in Liverpool now, so you know. If you so once you once you've to, hit the the five, you know, that standard, you then. Um, enroll to become a British yeah, miler. Yeah, you can then apply. And then, what things. does that mean for you as a British miler? Does that so, mean you uh, can? Is it just that events that you're a British miler, or all events regarding British milers? All events that are all British milers. So, oh. so they put on their grand prix and stuff like that. You know, the spit and they they've got pacemakers and they've got really you know they're organising really quality. Are you, you, to you, are you a British miler? I'm a British miler. Oh yeah. God, yeah. Um, I did it off my ten thousand meters to be fair because I I missed. Keep, it, keep your distance, will you? I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I couldn't do it over the five thousand so because uh, I hadn't run fast enough on the track until last year uh, for five thousand even on my road. Oh, so you, sorry, so that's what I said initially. Sorry, so you you ha- you couldn't do it. Sorry, say that again. So could- I, I I thought I'd qualified to join the British Milers off my five k road mm. PB, uh, but it, it, didn't, it yeah. wasn't applicable. Sorry. It had to be a track. Um, yeah, but then I realised I had the qualifying time to join from my ten thousand meter track time. Which was um, which was what? Uh, it was uh, thirty one. Got to be under thirty two. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it was under thirty two. Mm, interesting, yeah. interesting, um, interesting. So I joined. I joined through that. Interesting, and to find a ten k on the track, that's yeah. That... There's not many of them. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think there'll be any this year. Um, the night of ten thousand should have been last weekend, uh, which is probably the the, the most well known. Uh, ten thousand meter sort of race in, in the UK now. If if a athletics club wish to hold you know an event to provide people with the opportunity to produce a particular you know time, 
and it, it was just within the club even, would that be allowed or do you need certain officials? They'll have to have certain, uh, certain officials, certain level of officials. They could uh, bring them in though, could oh, they yeah, not? Oh yeah, you could get them, yeah. It would cost money, so that's that's a possibility, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I see a lot of it helping uh, uh, Jade. Uh, obviously, Jade's, you know who Jade is, John Joe, but for the listeners. Who, who yeah, is Jade's, Jade's from Beyonce. Uh, oh, really? But she's, <laughs> <laughs> but she's, she's a, a para-athlete, and so she's trying to chase their times for the, for the Paralympic Games and things like that. And to do that, she has to go to specific races that have certain officials there that are graded to a certain standard. And then the meet itself, the actual track meet itself, has got to be graded uh, to a certain extent, it's got to have um, certain uh, things there from like wind gorges and stuff like that and everything, even though she's a distance runner, uh, for it to count as a specific type of meat and be classified under under the para uh, rules and stuff like that for her times to then count in the uh, the world para ranking. So it's, it's something I've become a lot more aware of uh, through sort of helping her look at, you know, what races she needs to go in and things that, that you know, that there are certain standards within meets that you know that count towards certain things and, and ones that don't because of the rules that, that the governing bodies put on on our sport uh, i'd like to change the subject i'd like to talk about like i've got this real strong feeling deep inside of me that in this area of saint helens uh you're a young person and i just feel you get forgotten about i really do um in regards to to most sports um, I went to St. Teresa's, uh, Devon Street, and I went on to De La Salle, you know. And um, I don't see, I realised, sorry, I've realised through engaging with various um, individuals, and I, th- I believe Patsy McGonagall, actually, the former Irish Olympic team captain for 25 years, I was discussing this with him, and the reason he became so successful, the team, Finn Valley, um, which was established in 1971 in Donegal, um, in a very rural area, really, lowly populated. And across Ireland, you think of Dublin, the capital, you know, um, a couple of million population, I imagine, around about that. Um, and you think of the population and, and the funding and whatnot. And how did such a, a rural uh, county, a team, uh, have so much success at schoolboy level and whatnot? And the reason was this athletics club were actively, that's the key word, actively involved in going to seeking, and they still are, seeking athletes within the schools um, and finding and and giving them an opportunity, a base, and and reaching out, reaching out and saying, this is where we are, come and join us, come and train with us, and making the parents aware and whatnot. Uh, and I, I just, I do worry. I look at St. Helens, I think, oh my God, what the hell's going on here? Um, because when I was a kid, I think of my own experience, I don't think anything's changed. In fact, it's perhaps even worse because I, I do speak to a lot of people. Uh, and when I was in school, I was very young, and we used to do what they call cross-country, which is just go out to school, all the hay, around the, around the houses and back. I was actually more, really enthusiastic about playing snooker, and my body was quite weak. But I used to come come January in second, you know. And where was it at that point there were someone would step in and say, listen, here's your local athletics club. Here's the connection. Um, why don't you go down there, you know. Uh, and that's that's me looking back in kind of cynicism. and, and But I'm not angry about that. that. That's all been and gone. But I'd like to maybe one day, not now because I've got my own sort of, I want to improve myself. I want to get this. I want to reach the, the best I can be but one day um, working with someone else I'd like to, to engage we're in an athletic club but to reach into those schools because there's no connection there doesn't seem to be a connection between the athletics clubs and the schools certainly in, the, in this town I don't know if you'd, you'd agree with that yeah I, I mean I, I think I think it's this town but I think it's a a, a very um British cultural thing as well um, you know I think a sport as a whole not just athletics you know it's sort of it's seen as something and a, something that you do as an as an extra there's no 
you know, unless it's unless it's sort of the football and, and obviously in some of the, the, the northern towns or stuff like rugby, you know, for example, St. Helens, uh, you know, um, th- there isn't that much drive to go on and do it after school, uh, you know, or even, even in school unless you show a real, real specific talent and th- in those two sports. But then in other sports, there's no drive and the incentive uh, across it. And I think... Um, you know, probably a whole school curriculum thing. Sport was, you know, put aside quite a lot, and you know, you 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 your PE teachers in a way were sort of just put to, you know, they were just, you know, some. I suppose the way they get seen. Um, you know, I had it doing my my degree in sports science. You know, the the way that sports science was seen was like, oh, you just go and run round, you know, some football pitches or something, and you get a degree for it. You know, whereas you know, we didn't go running at all, you know, it was it was sat in the, the lecture theatres and stuff and learning about, um, you know, the anatomy and, and uh, the, the working of the brain and how it changes and things like that, and we were doing it with, with the medical students and stuff, um, so you, there's a perception, a, a very much a perception thing, and, you know, it, it's funny really you mention it, because, you know, I uh, I listen to um, a bit of a name drop on a, on a podcast to go and check out, the, the Athlete Special podcast, and uh, those guys there are based in America and they're, they're the collegiate athletes in America and they're talking about that system, uh, how it works there and they've got a, whereas in the UK, we, you know, you're talking about the schools, in America it's very driven from the schools, if you show talent you, you're really picked up upon and it's really sort of, you, you know, you, you're really driven and, and the goals that you can do with that, you know, getting to college and, and having it all paid for and stuff like that, you know, uni- you know university in, in UK terms sort of thing is, you know, and having that paid for because you're a runner, because you're a good runner. Um, whereas, you know, but then they don't go on, once they finish college, it's very difficult to stay within the sport because, you know, uh, there isn't any money in it. There's no club structure, um, you know, really in America. It's all very much at that sort of high school, college level. And then it's sort of, you have to be one of the best uh, already then to sort of really stick into the sport because you've got the financial uh, the finance coming in and things like that they've got some groups and stuff now um being set up out there but it's, it's not really a club system like we have in the uk and i don't know whether you know that's the issue is, is our club system makes it that that weaker sort of structure to it um or whether the, you know that american system uh you know is 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 advantageous on on that bringing them in but then you need that sort of post uh, school sort of uh, mm. aspect to continue that. For me, at the moment, when you look at it on the on the ground, I've heard a lot of athletes from from yesteryear, some great athletes, doom and gloom, regarding the park run, and I, and, and and how it takes away from athletics clubs. But I, I would say actually, when you look at the park run, instead of having all this doom and gloom about it, why not get in there as an opportunity to find your next athlete you know get in there say this is who we are uh, your kids doing really well it's, you know why not come along and and, and um, it's a great play I mean when you think about it if you want to go and find some new talent and runners who are, who are actively pursuing it's just it's on your doorstep and, and that's an opportunity maybe where you could harness it in, in a positive way um, what do you feel about the the negatives that the athletes which I've heard personally um, regarding the park run as to it, it's yeah i mean i think um i definitely think uh, i i could easy talk for a good uh, a good hour on this one so i think mm. we'll uh, we'll definitely come back to this but uh, okay. just briefly on it i suppose um you know i've been involved with park run since 2011 yeah. um as a run director both in leeds and now back in st helens um and i have my quarrels with it um from you know, from that standpoint, of, you know, it, it, it's sort of weakening the athletic structure a little bit. Mm. Um, but I think that sits on, it's both the club's fault and Parkrun's fault. Um, I think, mm. like you say, I think the clubs um, should, you know, really get on, on board and engage in Parkrun more. They can pick, you know, obviously the youngsters um, that are doing Parkrun, they can spot them. But also those, those you know, older runners that are talented and come through as well. Um, you know, are there, and, and you could really engage with them through Park Run, um, and so certain clubs do engage in that. I think the older traditional clubs don't, and I think that's the mistake there because they, those older traditional clubs, tend to be the clubs with the track facilities, with the the whole the history in in cross country and track and things like that. Whereas I think it's the younger clubs that are maybe even formed through Park Run itself, 
um, that, that benefit from parkrun and engage in that. Um, but those more traditional clubs who could really benefit don't engage with it. But at the same time, and this is the point I'll probably talk about in further detail, is that parkrun itself um, tries to do this whole, you know, it's non-competitive, everything sort of angle to things um, that sort of take away from the sport that is its very roots. You know, it is running, it is part of this, this greater um, sport that goes all the way up to the Olympics, you know, the very pinnacle of success in athletics and it's, uh, is, is the heart of the Olympics. It's that, you know, it's the, it's the big main event, you know, you get all the swimming and the cycling and things, but, you know, you get a full week long of athletics in there. It's the main stadium um, for the games and stuff like that. And, and park run is part of that. Um, but they, they sort of try and, you know, to try and open themselves up and make themselves feel welcome into everyone. Um, they feel like they have to lose that that ideology of you know they are part of a competitive sport they are part of something bigger and they don't they don't themselves tie to the clubs and they don't themselves tie to that bigger angle I think and uh, I think that's where they miss out you know a bit they they could do because you know they're timed they've got positions uh, they've got rankings and things like that they've got course records so yeah I was just gonna mention I was gonna mention I mean they've got more data competitive data than any anything I've ever come across you know you, you enter a, a, any other races you wouldn't have that kind of analysis um, which leads to the competitive nature doesn't it and yet on the one hand they're saying it's it's not it's contradictory I think you know yeah yeah um, I think that's it and which, I think um, um, parkrun athletics yeah it's, it's another topic it is I think it's a it's a, it's a it's a bit of a minefield as well because a huge, um, a huge topic yeah um I, know, but, I mean, we're lucky we're talking at the end of the show because uh, if people are listening, they probably gave up uh, a good while ago. And I think people get upset when you talk about parkrun. They do, yeah. Side, mean, so it's um, a lot of lot of people that are engaged. It's a great, I think, in this area especially. I mean, the as what well, it's, it's huge numbers every week. And it, it's a great thing, and I think you should athletics clubs should harness that instead of knocking it. Harness it, uh, which I don't I don't see them doing. By the no, way, no, no, uh, and and just utilize it to to get more numbers in the club and, and, and maybe take it on but on onto another level. Um, I was speaking to a guy though who writes for writes for Athletics Weekly the other day. Oh yeah. Um, they I believe they call it AW now. Yeah, yeah, it was always the nickname, but uh, yeah, they rebranded uh, last year sometime to, to that nickname, AW. Yeah, his father was a champion. Um, Paul Paul um, Paul Freary. Paul Freary. That's the guy, Paul Freire, really nice gent. And he said to me, in an athletics club, when you lose the the senior men and women, you know, the senior adults in a, an athletics club, and, you know, you're talking about adults who are past it, you know, competitively at the, at the highest level, you know, they could be in the 40s and 50s, whatever, you know. They may be competitive in their age category. But when you lose that nucleus, the young aspirational athletes coming through they have sort of no role models within the club and that's when the club dies a death and it becomes less competitive it's very interesting that well i mean it's it's naturally it makes sense but people forget you know that you know to create something a young to give that infrastructure to a young person um to allow he or she to become let's say the very very best or, or right up there you know there are many things that you need within an environment, many, many factors, environmental factors, which create um, foundations to achieve. Uh, and, and those senior athletes um, not being there um, or being very weak and not, not being, you know, it, it was an interesting point that stuck with me when, when I was speaking to, to Paul the other day, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose if you, I suppose if we look at that and reflect on that a little bit, if we look at some of the local clubs, um, so uh, Liverpool Pembroke, for example, yeah, we we know yeah. there's a there's a great team of, oh, of vets there. Amazing um, team. You know that that beat us uh, when you were a Sutton runner back um, at the yeah, road relays last year. Yeah, I remember year, that. Yeah, yeah. As a team title, yeah. um, and uh, you know those guys, all all of them, I think were. Uh, were vets, um, and I think they were all over forty. Uh, maybe the odd one might have been thirty over thirty-five. But they um, they have that, but they also have strong um, 
junior teams and teams coming through and, and, and they've always but isn't that you're, really, bl- you're blessed you're blessed if you're a young person and you're, you've got those those guys in the team there um, you are so blessed I mean that's that's just ideal circumstances that's it I think that's and, and, and it just gives you that look at those guys I want to be like them you know yeah. um, I'm reading uh, Coughlin's book uh, you know um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, Eamon Coughlin. Eamon Coughlin, yeah, yeah, I'm reading that and, and um, I can hear him talking like that. There's a point there in, in, in very early in the story where he was a champion, by the way, if, if people are unaware of, of this particular gentleman, he was a champion. And um, he was the, f- the first man to break the four-minute mile over 40. Uh, that's just one of his records. And that's an interesting record to have, I think. Um, but he, he, I recall his his early experiences from, from being very young and how um, when he when he was eventually accepted by certain individuals who he, he, who he deemed to be a sort of maybe idols or, or role models, maybe that's a better term, then it felt really good for him and he was really pushing himself and now he's I'm gonna be I'm gonna be faster and faster. And um, but with that if you take that away within a club, you know, what have you got then? You know, you got no, nowhere to aspire. Perhaps, yeah. It's it's more difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. Mm. Um, yeah, and um, I I'm always right. What's he talking about? <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I think uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, we'll wrap up episode one. Uh, thanks for listening. If you've uh, stayed all the way till the end, uh, of course they'd, they'd be foolish. Job. They'd be foolish not to. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Um, we'll uh, we'll be back again uh, with more uh, nonsense talk and, and, and rubbish um, all about athletics. So uh, so keep an eye, subscribe. Uh, I can't wait. Whichever channel I can't you, wait for the next you're one. on. And um, yeah, well, uh, thanks again for listening.